Chapter 12 of The Radio Planet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Radio Planet by Ralph Milne Farley. Chapter 12 Companions in Misery. In the morning, Miles Cabot was to be brought before Ott the Terrible, King of the Roys for execution in the diabolical manner common to those furry aborigines namely by being strung up by the heels and then used as a target for the archery of the king in spite of this he slept soundly and dreamed of radio sets and blast furnaces and galena mines until he was awakened by a soft furry paw shaking his shoulder a voice spoke close to his ear a life for a life. So you have that proverb on this continent as well as in Cupia, was his reply. Who are you, and what do you want? I am the soldier whom you saved from the raging mountain torrent, and what I want is to repay that favor. It is really true that you are a friend of Otto the Bold? Yes. Then come, the forces of Grod the Silent, Prince Otto's father, are encamped but a short distance from here. I am on guard over you for the moment. Come while there is yet time. Cabot arose in haste. The other promptly severed the cords which bound his elbows. Oh, how good it felt to have his arms free once more. He held them aloft and flexed and reflexed the lame and bloodless muscles. Excruciating pain shot through the nerves of his forearm. But it was pleasant pain, easy to bear for it portended peace and rest to his tired members. He wriggled all his fingers rapidly, and the pain gave way to a prickly tingling, which in turn gradually faded off as the blood coursed freely through his veins and arteries once more. He drew a deep sigh of relief. Come, the guard commanded. Together the two left the tent, and threaded their way among the other tents out of the camp and down a rocky hillside path. The Roy in advance, with Miles following, holding the other's hand for guidance. Miles lost all sense of direction in the jet-black starless night, but the other, born and reared on Poros, hence used to the daily recurrences of twelve hours of absolute darkness, walked sure-footedly ahead, and seemed to know where he was going. Finally, after about two hours of this groping treadmill progress, lights appeared ahead, and presently there came the sentry's challenge. Halt! Who is there? Two messengers with word for Grod the Silent, Cabot's conductor replied. In an aside, Cabot interestingly inquired, How does it happen that this camp is guarded, whereas the camp which besieged the village of Sur was not? There is no need to post sentinels when fighting against the Ver Kings, for Ver Kings never go out in the dark, but we Roys are different. Why then did we meet no sentinels when leaving your camp? Because we were going out. We passed one, but he did not challenge us. Coming back would be different. At this point the hostile guard interposed. Stop that whispering among yourselves. Ho oh, there! A light! whereat a small attachment arrived on the double quick with torches 
the leader shaded his eyes with one palm and inspected miles and his companion carefully this is a ver king he said in surprise noting the leather trappings of the earthman you are spies seize them in an instant they were seized and bound and thrown into separate tents under guard when morning came miles was fed and then led before grod the silent the earthman smiled ingratiatingly as he entered but there was no sign of recognition on the stern face of the king of the roys who are you the latter asked and what are you doing here i am cabot the minorian was the reply a recently escaped prisoner of Ot the terrible do not mention that accursed name in my presence thundered the king then i do not seem to recall your name but your face looks familiar where have i seen you before in the ravine near sir Rod's brow clouded i remember you felled me with your fist said he darkly then brightening a bit but you spared me why because your death would please the roy whose name you do not permit me to mention you improve Grod declared smiling know then that we roys hold to the maxim a life for a life you give me a life for a life unconditionally asked miles yes then give me the life of the poor soldier who saved me from the unmentionable one shoot your arrows into my body instead very magnanimous of you grod said and really it makes but little difference to me just whom i practice archery upon Oh, guard bring the other prisoner in one of the soldiery accordingly withdrew and presently returned with quiven quiven of all persons cabot gasped and so did the golden-furred verking maiden then both uttered simultaneously the single word you the savage chief smiled said he a slight mistake guard i meant you to bring the roy soldier who was captured with the furless one early this morning but evidently it's turned out to be a fortunate mistake for it has brought to my attention the fact that this common verking man and this noble verking lady are acquainted while the roy was speaking an idea occurred to cabot he was entitled by the code of honor of this savage race to save a life chivalry demanded that he save the life of this maiden rather than that of himself or even the soldier who had rescued him from Ot the terrible yet what would leela think did he not owe it to leela to save his own life in order that he might some day return across the boiling seas to save her from the unknown peril which menaced her for him to sacrifice himself and her or even merely himself for the sake of some strange woman would fill leela with consuming jealousy luckily leela was not here to see him make his choice he was an officer and a gentleman to whom but one course lay open and if he decided in the way that would displease leela then that very decision would forever prevent leela from knowing so his mind made up he spoke o king you still owe me a life inasmuch as your guard has made the mistake of substituting this young lady for the roy warrior whose life i had elected to save 
i now accept the substitution and elect that you shall spare her life in place of mine quiven the golden flame stared at him with tears of gratitude and appreciation in her azure eyes grod the silent smiled knowingly in a manner which infuriated miles but fortunately quiven did not notice this so miles let it pass then the roy king spoke we shall see about that later meanwhile guard bring in the right prisoner the guard sheepishly withdrew and soon returned with the soldier who had befriended miles why did you rescue this furless verking who was a prisoner of your forces grod asked the newcomer because he rescued me from a mountain torrent o king was the reply a life for a life quite true grod admitted nodding his head contemplatively but was it altogether necessary to that end that you leave your own forces no o king the soldier replied but i fain would battle on your side i have had quite enough of the fat one who commands our outfit good cried grod clapping his hands we shall need every man we can muster thus have you bought your own life and freedom unbind him guards and give him weapons so that he might fight for us as for you you yellow minx the quicker you get out of here the better it'll suit me we are at war and women have no place in warfare therefore i gladly give you your life which this furless one had purchased do not think he continued that i do not know who you are or that i do not realize that i could hold you for high ransom but for the present it suits my purposes to release you for my mind is a one-cart road and at present i am engaged in an important and highly personal war besides if i were to keep you my enemy might get hold of you and collect the ransom himself which would never do twelve days from now if i be in need of carts a messenger from me will call at the palace of theof the grim and if you are at all grateful you will make me a present of about twenty sturdy wagons as for you turning to miles your life is mine since you fail to redeem it some day i may call upon you for it but for the present i wish to use it you are detailed as my personal representative to escort this lady safely to verakingi now both of you get out of here for i have more important things to do i must put my army on the march one of the guards stepped up to miles and cut his bonds Quiven had not been bound may i have arms o king so that i can fulfil your mission with credit to you miles asked with a twinkle in his grey eyes you keep on improving grod replied yes you may here take my own sword you are a brave man and an able warrior as my chin well remembers may the builder grant that some day we shall fight side by side this gave cabot an idea why can that not be now he suggested why not form an alliance with the very kingy against the unmentionable one but grod the silent shook his head no he said positively it cannot be in the first place the unmentionable one is himself seeking to make such an alliance against me and in the second place 
this is my own private fight i have spoken then cabot had a further idea about the wagons he said would you mind sending for them in my brickyard north of Verakingi? that would be more convenient very well grod replied roy warriors then supplied the two prisoners with portable rations and escorted them for quite a distance from the camp until they struck a mountain trail this the escort informed them led to Verakingi. there the roys left miles and quiven alone the first thing that she asked was with all these mountains full of warring roys do you believe that we shall be safe i think so miles reported the very fact that they are at war will keep them much too busy to bother about us come on as they hurried down the trail each related his or her adventures to the other cabots have already been set down as for quiven she had gone with a few soldiers to hunt for miles after his prospecting party had returned and reported his disappearance by the river but her party had been killed and she had been taken prisoner did grod treat you with respect miles asked with clenched fists absolutely she replied tossing her pretty head i never knew a man so impersonal i am accustomed to have men recognize my presence and pay some attention to my existence but this brute why i might just as well have been a piece of furniture or one of his servants i don't believe he knows now what color my eyes are or whether i'm pretty or not and you're just as bad as he is she added somewhat irrelevantly your eyes are blue and you are very pretty cabot replied in fact you closely resemble my own wife the beautiful princess lilla who waits for me far across the boiling seas which reminds me to ask quiven said abruptly how successful was your expedition apart from your being captured and getting yourself into all kinds of trouble so he told her about the glistening metallic particles in the sands of the river also how he had found what were probably zinc blend and galena then they discussed in detail his plans for his various factories from time to time they munched some of the food which had been given them the day quickly sped an evening drew near yet still they were upon the mountain road with no sight of Verakingi, or of any familiar landmark to either of them quiven was for stopping and resting but miles urged her on no matter how tired you are he said it is not safe to stop in this strange country so still she struggled on the sky darkened without the usual pinkening of the west all too well they knew what that portended one of the heaven-splitting tropical storms so common on poros and they were right the storm broke the thunder roared in one continuous volume of sound the lightning and the rain alike poured down in continuous sheets the trail became a mountain torrent so that they had to cease their journey and crawl upon a huge boulder in order to avoid being engulfed by the water the rain stopped as abruptly as it had begun again the silver sky appeared overhead 
the extempore brook rapidly disappeared but left in its wake a wet muddy and slippery trail down which the two took up their journey once more several times quiven stumbled and fell until at last her companion had to help her in order to keep her going at all but in spite of his assistance she finally broke down and cried i shall not go one step farther she asserted miles seated himself beside her and talked to her as one would soothe a child and that was what she was a tired little child you can't stay here he urged the ground is damp the night is coming and your fur is sopping wet i don't care anything about anything she sobbed all that i know is that i positively cannot go on so he decided that it would be necessary to change his tactics i am ashamed of you he replied you the daughter of a king and can't stand a little exercise why i believe you are just plain lazy for reply she jumped to her feet in a sudden rage oh you beast she cried you insulting beast you common soldier you i'll show you that i can stand as much hardship as the pampered women-folk of your cupia though the men of my country even our common soldiers would be gentlemanly enough not to force a lady to endure any more than is absolutely necessary oh i hate you i hate you i hate you you are not being forced to endure more than is necessary her escort harshly replied in the first place it is necessary to go on and in the second place i am not forcing you you can go on or not just as you see fit but as for me i don't intend to spend the night here in this wet valley good-bye for reply quiven raced ahead of him with oh how i hate you and disappeared round a turn in the trail End of chapter 12 Recording by John Brandon